Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Slaughter Podcast will be discussing topics that some listeners may find disturbing. If you're still listening, you're on the naughty list. Hi guys, welcome to the latest episode of Slaughter. I'm Emma. I'm Lucy. And we're here. We've made it through the week. Busy week. Definitely. I mean, the carol concert rehearsals are really taking their toll on me. (laughs) I've had my work Christmas party. I did not go to mine. That was the drunkest I've ever been in front of colleagues, I think. Never again. But everyone was equally drunk, so it's fine. Um, We went to... uh, Drag queen bingo. Didn't win a fucking thing. I really wanted to win a goodie bag. I just wanted to get some attention for shouting bingo. (laughs) I always get scared. I'm like, please let me not win. I can't do this. I wanted to shout bingo, but I was like, Luke, if I win, you have to get the prize. I didn't want to get up in front of everyone. Please, please go, Luke. (laughs) But we didn't win, unfortunately. Um, We also went lino printing. I used it for selfish purposes. Lucy used it as an opportunity to make a special something for our patrons. Yep, so you will be, if you sign up soon, getting a card that I have handcrafted. Like handcrafted in a court, like she's made the print so it will uh, stamp. So it's not like she's like doodling and felt tip for you. Like it looks really cool. I was super impressed with it. And also very sulky that I wasn't the best. I'm a made a badger. I'm making a made a badger. <laughs> it was a shit badger. And the instructors were like, it's so cute. It's so amazing. I was, don't patronize me. If you want to patronize me, sign up for Patreon and do it properly. <laughs> Monetize this bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to do another two true crime stories. They're not especially seasonal, but you're probably sick of Christmas anyway. I know I am. So they're just going to be the bog standard. Yeah, because I think when you're considering murdering someone, your number one priority is, an, how can I make this more festive? <laughs> There's not that many murders that are themed. No. I did it with a sprig of holly <laughs> and then turned his innards into a Christmas pudding. Actually, I may have just found <laughs> a gap in the market. Um, so I'm going to start us off with the story of a guy called John Sweeney. Um. I thought I'd heard of him. It seems I've heard like... the name. Right. I haven't... I haven't heard this story before. No? Am I thinking... Do you know who I'm thinking of? Sweeney I know Taj. who it is. No. John Sweeney, not this guy that I'm talking about now, there but is, yeah. he's the one who did the sci- um, Scientology documentary. Oh. And he, like, lost his rag and shouted at um, everyone. 
Another psychopath. Oh, that if you have not seen the John Sweeney documentary on Scientology, watch it. It's like a two-parter. He goes back. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, the, the old one where he's yeah. angry about everything. It's like a panorama special or something. Yeah, I loved it. So good. It's not that guy, but I've just remembered. <laughs> so <laughs> this John Sweeney, and uh, not the journalist, but... Um, it's going to be like 10% of our listeners like, oh... <laughs> I googled John Sweeney for a reason. This is not it. Yeah. Stay, it's murder. So 19th of February in 2001, there was a shocking discovery um, that was made in Camden. I know there's a lot of shocking things in Camden, not least that. Do you remember we went into like hangover shop? It was like we were absolutely hanging after the podcast awards. And oh we went <laughs> don't in, remind me of the podcast we awards. We went into some shop in Camden Lock that was like a gothic rave type yes. shop where they were playing dance music I, was like, I cannot cope with this right now yeah. I have to leave um so it wasn't the hangover hell shop but the discovery that was made was a holdall that contained some body parts um helicopter views of the river saw that a further five holdalls um were floating along the regent's canal it's like some sort of fucked up puzzle, really, isn't it? Yeah, and they were all containing body parts of the same woman. So this was reminiscent of a similar discovery that had been made in a canal in Rotterdam in 1990. This was also a bag had been found with a dismembered female. This one, too, the hands and the head were missing. So they basically couldn't identify it. No fingerprints, no dental ah. records. So both of the murders, even though they were far apart, both, you know, chronologically and geographically, Mm. they were to be found out that they were carried out by the same man, John Sweeney. So he had been born in Skelmersdale. I've not heard of it. It's in Merseyside. And at the time I was like, yep, that's a place. Now I can't just tell if I sneezed while writing (laughs) because... My handwriting is a mess on that. That just seems like way too many letters for a place name. Yeah, like you've merged, you got bored writing one and started with another. Don't know, mate. But so he was born in Merseyside in 1956. And of course, this meant that he had the nickname of Scouse Joe. Both unoriginal and also not his name. So he had a passion for art at school and he had dreams of studying it further but he ended up leaving school at 15 and he married a girl called Anne Bramley at age 20 and he was making ends meet by working as a carpenter which if it's good enough for Jesus should be good enough for him really I feel like I've heard all these things before but it's definitely we haven't done it I know we haven't we haven't it just seems maybe it's just so like Jesus um you may be surprised or not to hear that this marriage of 20 year olds was not the most stable relationship. They actually divorced a couple of years after they were married, was separated, and then got remarried again and had children. Um, And then when they were back together, John Sweeney started revealing his more violent side. Um, He had a really violent temper, and he would even go so far, his children spoke about that he would throw bricks through the window, like incredible aggression. And... I guess he's a carpenter. He can just mend it. I mean, why? um, I don't get people who fuck up their own house. No, it makes no sense. Because, like, when I was so annoyed with um, 
the lodger one time. I was like, I would trash this house if it wasn't mine. <laughs> so there's no point. What can I smash here? I like all these things. Um, so a couple of years after they were back together it, in 1985, a fight had escalated to where John had beaten her up. So she kicked him out, but police were then alerted to the fact that he had gone back into the property. So as they entered the home, they went into the bedroom to find him. John jumped out of the wardrobe, brandishing both an axe in one hand and a hammer in the other. His claim was that he just wanted to frighten his wife. It's just a joke. Remember that time I beat her up? Massive lol. Here's another one. Yeah. Here's my axe and hammer trick. His wife and children left to a safe address and... um Sweeney wasn't actually, although he was arrested and sort of taken in, he wasn't actually prosecuted for that. Um, they didn't think it was... A, I would have thought that was surely... Is that not attempted murder yet? Mm. You actually have to hit them with the axe. Like just because, I suppose it's a bit minority report, isn't it, that he didn't actually smash her with an axe. She wasn't there. But it was obvious he was going to, but then you can't mm. prove he was going to because he didn't do it. Yeah, and you can't start locking people up for things that they could do. Did you know that aggression is... We were doing about aggression in GCSE psychology and I asked, I, I gave kids a list of things and one of them was like planning to murder someone and thinking that you probably will do it and they had to say whether that was aggression or not. Would you say that's aggression? It depends how... Isn't it how calm? I would say just aggression, I would link it as like being angry. So it wouldn't be aggression because it's not an actual behaviour. So... Any thought would not count as aggression because it has to be the behaviour with intent to harm. So if I'm sat, yeah, so if I'm sat at home on my own thinking how much I want to kill you, it's fine. Yeah, technically it's not aggressive. And John Sweeney was able to move on quite quickly and he started the next phase of his life in London, where in the mid 1980s he met and began a relationship with 30 year old American model Melissa Holstead. He's punching. Mm, yeah and that's basically what everyone was saying like what the hell did she see in him <laughs> she was really successful she came from a wealthy family in ohio and um she was working as a model in london but owned her own flat in chelsea so she had money like she was getting paid yeah. like chelsea is one of obviously the most expensive areas mm. of london um so fuck me it's like have you watched um 90 day fiance yet I've seen... My mum watches it. I've, I haven't been able to watch it because I haven't got the channel. I couldn't find it online. And I went round to my mum's last night and it was on. And we'd already... I hadn't drunk anything, but she'd already drunk quite a lot. She loved it. But that, there's a few punching in that, you think. Really? Yeah, my mum fucking loves it. And my dad, every time it comes on, he sits there and goes, oh, not this rubbish. And then he's like, oh, I wonder what's happened to Harold. Who's Harold, dad? <laughs> like, he knows all the characters in it. He's totally invested. He just pretends not to be. Um, so, yeah, definitely punching. She was really pretty. She sort of like had a Taylor Swift kind of vibe, I think. So John had been sort of, he'd been working as like a carpenter, painter, decorator sort of. And he was doing jobs on a lot of sets, like film sets. And he was painting a set where Melissa was working as a model, which is how they met. And like I said, they seemed to be totally different. He wasn't even like attractive when he was young, particularly. Um, but they did have a common enthusiasm for drinking and drug taking. Oh, there you go. And he's like the classic sort of psychopath, like 
in that he was really calm, collected, like charming. Like he didn't bring any of the emotional baggage that a normal person, I shouldn't say normal, yeah, normal fucking person would. Because <laughs> um, he didn't care about anything. Like he wasn't like, um, but he was really controlling and their relationship was incredibly tempestuous. They would fight all the time. And so despite this um, relationship, the foundations were shaky at best, John did manage to track down his ex-wife and children to where they'd moved to Northamptonshire and he took Melissa with him to go and meet them. Oh, God. And introduce his ex-wife and kids to his new lady. And then um, his son recalled that Melissa then asked Sweeney's ex-wife if she could have permission to marry him. Which is proper weird. Proper weird. Like, why would you go and ask your boyfriend's ex-wife if you could marry him? Like, it's not... Yeah, it's not his mum. Maybe she thought it was his mum. I think, I mean, it doesn't, I've not got much evidence of it, but it seems such a weird thing to do that it seems like some sort of control exercise on his part. Like he would yeah, be proper hard over thinking like, yeah, I want you to go and see my ex-wife and tell her that you want to marry me. Like you wouldn't do that. Either that or she's incredibly naive and thinks she's just going to be really fine with it. Like, oh, here's how I'll get her to feel better about like, it. Because yeah, I'm joining the family now. Do you know, like, yeah. Possibly. And they they didn't actually get engaged, but the pair did move in together in 1986. And by 1987, Sweeney did have two counts of um, assault against her, oh, against Melissa. Nice. So he just continued to be incredibly aggressive, uh, incredibly violent towards her. In 1988, um, Melissa had overstayed her visa and was deported from the UK. So that could have been her chance to escape from Sweeney, but he actually travelled with her to Vienna, where they stayed together. And at some point whilst they were there, it's not known exactly what happened because Sweeney has never admitted any guilt for what he's done. But his anger obviously exploded towards her, and so much so that he attacked her with a hammer and she had to go to the hospital for some emergency surgery and she'd suffered a fractured skull. Fuck. I mean, that's attempted murder. You would think so. So Sweeney was arrested for that and he was being held in prison in Vienna. But there is a, a precedent in Austria where you can ask for clemency. So... Melissa basically begged the court and to let him go. She said, he did it to me and I don't care. Like, can we have, please be pardoned? And they agreed. I also saw when I was researching it that um, in Austria, it's traditional for them to pardon a few hundred criminals every Christmas time. <laughs> like a few hundred is a lot. Yeah, that's a like lot. Like how many criminals do you have? I know it's a big country. It is massive. <laughs> but just, it's Christmas. Let's make everyone feel better. You can go free and you can go free. I was reading an article, I put it on the Facebook page actually, about um, like elderly criminals. Yes, yeah, I think it's more that they pardon people who've already been released and say like, we'll wipe out your record. I don't know that they're, I don't know that they're releasing anyone from prison. Yeah. I kind of feel okay about it. You know, if someone's done something that they're so old, they physically couldn't do again. You kind of think, ugh, let them go. 
I do believe in second chances a little bit. I feel a little bit bad if someone does something twattish when they're like 20 years old and then they end up being, you know, a, a middle-aged person. adult who doesn't really have the chance to build a life mm. because they did something horrible. So this event that happened with Melissa, John Sweeney would go on to create a picture and artwork about based on the events and it looks basically like he's just colored it in with felt tip i wasn't impressed so basically it's a red silhouette of a man and a woman and he's sort of got her by the throat and is trying to stab her and then there's like a newspaper cutting that has been glued to the bottom that says a romantic weekend for two in vienna fucking hell that's dark that's quite funny, but that's quite dark. It's, it's a terrible bit. Like, do you know, I just feel like, ugh, it's not even, I couldn't even find it that chilling because it was just so crap. Yeah. Um, like, if he'd put some more effort in. But the fact that the creepy thing about it is that you've had a really violent attack on your girlfriend, fact. You've been yeah. to the police about it, fact. And then you've gone home, sat down, and spent, a, there was a lot, there was no white bits on that. He'd spent a lot of time colouring it in. Yeah, he obviously didn't give one shit. He had no remorse. And he, wa- he, was he thought it was funny. Yeah, dwelling on it, thinking about it, being like, oh, I want to draw a picture of that to remember it. Like, I want to oh. relive this by drawing it out. She needed to get out of there. And it's not even like it was a little fight. He whacked her in the face, in the head with a hammer. Yeah, it was massive. That's not a okay. game. So 1989, he was released, and so then he had to be deported from Austria. So the pair of them then went to Amsterdam, which they fucking loved it because drugs, right? So that was sort of the last really that was heard of Melissa. The last her family knew was that she was living in Amsterdam. In 1990, in Rotterdam, which is another big city in the Netherlands, um, which just sort of south of Amsterdam, two boys found the dismembered body in the bag in the river that I mentioned at the start. And like I said, DNA techniques at the time were just in the beginning stages. So without the fingerprints and the dental records, because of the lack of head and hands, that body was unidentified. Yeah. And if no girl's been reported missing, yeah, there's no one to tie it, Jay. November of 1990, there were concerns raised by Melissa's family back in Ohio because she hadn't called home for her mum's birthday like she would do every single year. But they had no way of contacting Sweeney to find him. So there wasn't really anything they could, much they could do about it. They didn't know. Yeah. Had she gone? Had she just not bothered? They had no clue where to go. So... It's thought that he stayed in the Netherlands for a while just doing casual carpentry work. But by 1992, he was back in London and he was putting the moves on another woman by the name of Delia Barmer. So she worked as a nurse and she sort of said that she felt drawn to him initially because they had the shared love of travelling. He had all these stories about where he'd been in Vienna and Amsterdam. She desperately wanted to and that's what um, attracted her. And it wasn't long before Sweeney was living with her in her flat. But a couple of years into the relationship, Delia decided that she wanted to end things. Everything had been seemingly okay. But that's when he showed his violent side immediately when she tried to leave him. So what followed was a weekend of torture for Delia. He had her tied to the bed. He beat her. 
He threatened her with guns to her head. He even attempted to cut out her tongue. Oh, fuck. It's weird, isn't it, that you could start dating someone and spend loads of time with them without knowing that it's such a sick fuck. Like, and you just let you just let them in your house. They are your boyfriend. Yeah. Without knowing anything about... This, this is what's so scary about being a woman. <laughs> it is incredible to so think fucked. that those violent tendencies can lay so dormant. Mm. You think if you were capable of doing that to another human, like... Like, you could do that to another human, but also you could go out ice skating and they could be really nice for a while. <laughs> like, yeah. you just feel like those two things are incompatible. But actually, they could be, they could seem like a normal human being and then be so fucked up. That's sort of like the psychopath side of it as well, as that for us, we spend a lot of time not torturing humans so that when someone a does... A lot of time. Yeah, so that when someone does piss us off, we have, like, thinking about torturing them is a really big deal. Like, oh my God, I'd never actually torture this human. Whereas for the psychopath Sweeney, he spent a lot of time not torturing Delia, but then when she pisses him off, it not really he doesn't really think about should I not torture her now because mm. he doesn't have the con like he doesn't have the conscience or the fact that he's hurting her. He doesn't really care about that. So, yeah. um, so the rule is never date anyone. Yeah. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm doing really well. <laughs> I'm trying my absolute hardest. <laughs> anyway. This, so like I said, Delia was sort of captured by Sweeney. He hadn't murdered her, but he was just doing everything he could to be cruel to her. Um, But luckily for Delia, her work friends were, when she didn't turn up for work on Monday, they contacted the police straight away. Things think it's totally unlike her. And they went over to do a welfare check. When they opened the door, um, this was obviously a part of it where Delia wasn't tied to the bed, and so she saw her chance to get out of there good so sweeney was arrested but he was allowed out on bail so on the 22nd of december in 1994 so just after this weekend of torture Delia was cycling home from work when the newly released sweeney attacked her with an axe he hit her on the side of the head with it and they fell on the floor um at which point sweeney took out a knife but Delia, she was a fucking superwoman. She, quick thinking, thought, right, she pulled the bike on top of her and sort of used it as a shield so that he couldn't get a good angle to hit her, get her with it. She did take some quite serious stab wounds to the chest and the thigh. Sweeney then switched back to the axe and was swinging it. He managed to cut off one of her fingers. Fuck. And it just seemed like the end was near. You can see interviews with Delia where she says, it was at that point that I just wanted it to be over. I was ready for him to kill me then because I couldn't face being just tortured by him for any more. So luckily, it was at that moment when he was raising the axe again that a neighbour who'd heard the screams came running out with a baseball bat and whacked Sweeney in the back. So disturbed by this blow, he just fled from the scene, still holding the axe. Thank so, you, neighbour. Well done. Be nice yeah. to your neighbours. I always impressive wonder... that they even had a baseball bat. No one yeah. even plays baseball here. Some people keep them under their bed, don't they? Where Just do you case. buy one from? My ex used to keep a knife by. Legal his bed. weapons are us. A knife by the. Bed. I was always scared that he'd have a like a, he'd sleepwalk and get it and stab me to death or something. No. A bit weird. I just keep a dog by mine. Because sometimes I think, I don't know if I'd scream. Because you've got a really... I don't think I've got a scream. Yeah, I don't know if I can. 
I'm out of practice. Kids scream all the time. I know, I never tell ready. them. I'm like, are you injured or in danger? <laughs> no, and then start screaming. But then maybe I'm limiting their ability to scream. There you go. This is why Fuck. we're all going to be murder victims. Sweeney, as he f- when he fled the scene of this attempted murder, which it definitely was, he actually went to the house of his ex-wife and kids and stayed there. And he was obviously bleeding cause from where he'd like he'd been, been just been whacked, hacking yeah. around like he'd he had blood in him and he just said that he'd been in a fight needed to stay the night and then the next day he left for liverpool having scrounged a lift from some of the neighbors so the ex-wife just thought well that was weird but thank fuck he's gone <laughs> yeah. it was just later after he'd left that his ex-wife Anne heard the news that Sweeney was wanted by the police for this attempted murder on Delia Barmer. So not only this, but Delia had also told police that John Sweeney had admitted during this weekend where she was being held captive that he told her, oh, I also killed my ex-girlfriend Melissa, cut her up and put her in bags. So he must have been sure that he was going to murder her at some point. Yeah. If he was going to tell her that. So, despite being on the run, uh, Sweeney managed to get hold of some fake ID and he was able to stay free for another six years. He continued to travel between the UK and other countries in Europe, working as a carpenter. I mean, a trade. Very handy. (laughs) (laughs) But he was still finding time to create incriminating artwork. He made a picture of his attack on Delia and called it the Scalp Hunter. Which sounds a lot... Again, the picture doesn't really live up to what my expectations was. It's basically um, a picture of a large axe like being tucked into the belt of a man. So you can't see... You can just see his torso, no features. He's dripping with blood. Um, but his perspective is all fucked. Like, he's got a really stumpy little arm in it. It sort of looks as though he started drawing it and realised, oops, I don't know how to do hands. So just drew the trousers over it as if, <laughs> as if the hand was in the pocket, I think is what he's going for. But it's just this weird little stumpy arm at the side. We'll put it on the Instagram. I mean, it might be. Some people could argue stylistic choices. I just think he was a bit crap. He's not known for his artwork. He's known for his hammer He's chopping. done fucking loads of artwork. Like, what, in prison? It, just all about his life. Like, he loves it. He bloody loves it. But enthusiasm does not equal skill. So 2000 now, he moved back to London and took up residence in Hackney. And here he met with a fellow Liverpudlian called Paula Fields. She was in quite a vulnerable situation herself, um, she'd got mixed up in drugs. She was having to do sex work in order to pay for it. Her children had been taken into care. And she did start a relationship with Sweeney, who she just knew as Joe. She never knew his real name. But she was causing problems for him. She didn't clearly didn't understand who he was and how dangerous he was. She would score drugs from local dealers and then just tell them oh joe will pay for that later (laughs) so then the dealers would go knocking on his door demanding money and obviously that pissed him off paula fields actually went missing on the 13th of december 2000 in february 2001 is when the regent's canal revealed all the bags of body parts 
um, as I mentioned at the beginning. So unlike the one that had been in the Netherlands, these bags had been weighed down with bricks. So it's a bit like the Scissor Sisters, where they threw them in the canal with bricks and then they eventually sort of floated to the top. Yeah, well, they wouldn't have been found except they were doing some routine maintenance on mm. the canal, so the water level had to have been lowered, and that's what was able to reveal them. God, so, I wonder how many body parts are in canals that, that haven't had routine maintenance. <laughs> Maintain the canals! <laughs> so... Paula's sister, she'd read about this find of body parts in the local paper and they hadn't heard from Paula. They knew that she was in difficulty. They thought it's a bit of a rough area. They just were praying that it wasn't her. So they went to their local police station to give a sample of DNA so they could hopefully rule her out. When you say a sample of DNA, it makes me think spunk in a cup. I think. <laughs> a bit. Usually a cheek swab. <laughs> okay. um, but sadly for their family, they were able to identify this body as belonging to Paula Fields. So police then began investigating Paula, Paula's boyfriend, known as Joe Carroll. And they went to where he worked to speak to him and they found a loaded gun in his toolbox. So they arrested him. And under questioning, discovered that his true identity was that of John Sweeney. They then searched his flat and this revealed many, many more drawings that he'd done. Most of them were of dismembered body parts and vile acts. Just basically a lot of body parts he was drawing. And it's thought by some psychologists that this is basically his way of having keepsakes and souvenirs from his murders like he didn't take anything because he had to destroy all the evidence so he would like look over these and reminisce and it was Mm. like his special so obviously it it wasn't a means to an end he enjoyed the murdering of people rather than it just being there annoying me i'm disposing of this it seems that way a little bit because although he it although he was in relationships with his women and he killed them seemingly when provoked he, yeah, he took pleasure in the fact that he'd done it and he enjoyed reliving it by drawing it again and again. Some drawings actually had messages written on them. So the scalp hunter picture that I mentioned before, which he drew after the attack on Delia, on the back it said, To Delia, may you die in pain. So this message, the police were then able to get him convicted for the attempted murder of Delia. I mean, he was wanted anyway, and then having that pretty much sealed the deal. But there was a lack of evidence linking him to Paula's murder. So although they'd found him, they had nothing other than the fact that he had dated Paula um, to link him to that. So that case was dropped. Oh, come on. He cuts women up. He dated... A girl and she goes missing and a body's found. That seems enough. Exactly. Well, the minimum time that he would serve would be 10 years for this. And so Sweeney was quite likely going to be released in 2011. So police didn't really let it rest. They were just wanting to build a stronger case really before he was released. 2008, um, Rotterdam cold case team, they were tasked with going over all of their cold cases with new DNA testing to see if they could find anything they'd missed before. And the body that had been found in the Rotterdam River showed a match with Sweeney's old girlfriend, Melissa Halstead. 
her family had given DNA to the Dutch police because there'd been another body found in a river in Amsterdam which they knew where she'd been living there. So they thought, yeah. oh, maybe that's her. So and that one said, wasn't. And that wasn't her. So this convinced police that Sweeney could be sent to trial for the murder of Melissa Halstead and Paula Fields. So at this time, he was now 54 years old and he tried to persuade himself as this calm, mild-mannered, older gentleman, butter wouldn't melt. But witnesses just described this as being sort of chilling. Mm. So he denied all guilt... And he had appealed to have all of his drawings and paintings sent back to him. So he thought, oh, they don't have any. And he'd won that appeal. So he he thought the police didn't have anything. But obviously they photocopied absolutely everything before giving it back. And his artwork and his writings were absolutely invaluable evidence for the police. He'd also written, because he's so creative, he'd written some little poems as well. (laughs) I thought you were going to say an acrostic. It's body. It's almost as bad. Broad. Oh, every time I see a teacher teaching acrostic poetry, oh, I'm like, is... give it a yeah. break. Nobody uses acrostic poems. It's really fucking difficult to make them rhyme. It's worth nothing. They're Stop doing what... acrostic poems. Well, I always get year sevens. And they're like, can I do an acrostic? I'm like, no. You're in big no. school now. No one does these. When we study them at GCSE, if anyone's written a fucking acrostic in the poetry books that you're reading, then it's something's gone wrong in life. They're not going to write an acrostic. They're not going to write a calligram. <laughs> Kennings are dead. Even haikus like, are a stretch. Hi- yeah. Sorry, all of Sorry, ancient Japan. Such <laughs> <laughs> poetry snobs. Well, see what you think of this one. So he wrote this poem. He wrote it on the back of a lottery ticket. <laughs> Uh, a winning one? It was really just scribbled, so I just think if you're going to take the time to write a poem, I'm not saying go full acrostic, but at least, you know, consider the layout. <laughs> um, it goes, Poor old Melissa, chopped her up in bits, food to feed the fish, Amsterdam was the pits. I mean, it's almost like a shit haiku, isn't it? I mean, you can't get more With literal than line. I killed her. I mean, I'm just disappointed that he missed the opportunity for a good alternating rhyme because he could have rhymed Melissa with like Mister, yeah, or like something. Like I hate when you hear that in a song and you're like, "Why did you do that?" There's a really obvious rhyme you've missed there. So he also had a really large scale picture, which he called One Man Band. It's extremely detailed. It's just like layers on layers and layers of different drawings and things, um, and it looked like it would have been years of work put into it. And right in the centre of it is a face of a blonde woman and a small patch of tipex, which I don't know if anyone... They they call it it whiteout in America? Um, The forensic scientists were able to use a technique that they could see what was underneath. I love shit like that. And there was a message there which had been written by Sweeney before he'd covered it up, thinking, oh, that's incriminating. Covering <laughs> up. And it's, Better tipex that out. Yeah. <laughs> and it said, R.I.P. Melissa Halstead, and then had her birthday and her death date. So as her body had only been found, and well, had only been identified really recently, when he would have done that drawing, her, no one would have known the date mm. of her death, apart from the person who fucking killed her. Yeah. It was just all stacking up, and it was all his evidence like he'd fucked himself so sweeney described his drawings as just being drunken tosh like i'm just guessing at the death day of my girlfriend Mm. like but um and the defense tried to suggest that the murder of paula had actually been committed by the camden ripper 
someone we haven't covered, but he was operating at the same sort of time in the early 2000s. Anthony Hardy had done a similar thing where he killed women, but he would dispose of them in bags and put them in bins. Things like that. And the prosecution then had to show that their styles were different. So this trial went into really graphic details about how these bodies were found compared to how these bodies were found. And in the end, it sort of boiled down to the fact that this Anthony Hardy had a really messy style. He never cleaned anything up. Like his house was like a bloodbath. He just, everything was dirty. Whereas the other ones were very clinical disposals and clearly by someone else. But to be honest, despite all the toing and froing, it's not hard to convince, like you said, Someone who has been convicted for attempted murder of a girlfriend has two other girlfriends found in dead bodies. Yeah. Like, you're the missing link. Yeah. You're the connection between all of these <laughs> things. And so he was found totally guilty. In April 2011, he was given a whole life sentence for the murders of Paula Fields and Melissa Halstead. And like you said, it is suspected that he could have killed more people. He did tell Delia that he had killed two German men that he'd found in bed with his girlfriend, Melissa. But Good honour, two German men. Well, there's no, there have never been any other bodies found by Dutch police matching two German men or any sort of missing people that they can link that to. He also did have, though, some amongst his drawings and paintings... There was a portrait of a woman that he knew in real life who was also missing. And there were some other little drawings included of another missing woman. But they, um, their bodies have never been found. So it's suspected they could have killed it's got a more a bit people. More yeah. Well, it seems like everything he's drawn has been something that he's actually done. So it yeah. seems likely that he could have committed more things. But until bodies are found, we will not know. I guess he's locked up, though. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah. So my person is the story of Archibald Hall, also known as the Killer Butler. That's such a good butler name. One, because they stand in halls and two, because of Archibald. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, So this is quite a lot of London, a bit of Scotland. Sorry, Wales and Ireland. So (laughs) he was born in Glasgow in 1924 um, and he began stealing about age 15. He was bisexual and as a young man, he would go out to gay clubs in Glasgow and then he quite fancied going to some better gay clubs. Sorry, Glasgow. So he moved to London and began going out in, in Soho. Um, so this is like going to be like 1940s gay clubs too, right? Yeah, which were probably fabulous. He'd also sell a lot of stolen jewellery in London. So he'd go up to Scotland, steal jewellery, go sell it in London. Um, so quite quite a savvy plan, really. And he really saw himself as a con man and a jewellery thief. And he wanted to be known as that. He wanted to be a really good con man and jewellery thief. So he's not like a career butler. The butlering was a side, like, was a cover for the, the con mm. man jewellery thief. So he also tried to lose his accent, so he would sound proper. So he took elocution lessons um, in London as well. He wanted to really be involved in quite elaborate cons, and he did. He did do a lot of work on his own, but also um, he spent a lot of his quite young years sort of using people for sex and for money. So he'd work with people, but he sort of didn't really care about them. And a lot of the stuff I'm going to tell you isn't until quite a lot later. I'm going to be honest. I like him. Well, he might. He's not the worst. He's not great. He sounds more like I imagine him as like fun. Like, I want to be his friend. Like, let's go on a night out. He's probably, he's going to have loads of cash in hand, popping bottles. I mean... Get it done. Let's have a couple of throwaway one-night stands. I'm into it. Archibald. He gets worse. Hit me up. But sort of, he he didn't really do, he was just sort of a low-level conman and, and jewellery thief. I don't know, maybe he's going to do some really fucked up stuff later, but like... Yeah. Who aren't bad... I, I see him as someone who's like... like <laughs> I've literally just told you about him. I, mean, I see him. <laughs> You've never even seen a photo of him. <laughs> I'm imagining like the sort of people that you go to school with where they're like, they're sort of naughty boys, but you like them, you're friends with them. You don't really agree with everything that they do, but you but they're cool people. Uh, Is he not that kind of guy? 
Uh, I think he's more of a shit than that. Do you think I've just judged him because he's bisexual? <laughs> like, we must be amazing. Yeah, a little bit. So he um, he went to prison for his crimes. Uh, he was in and out a little bit. Uh, he just sort of chosen a life of cr- being a criminal. So he came out of prison and he started going by the name of Roy Fontaine. Um, oh, yes, he did. <laughs> so he, because he obviously he didn't want to be recognised as a criminal. He moved back to Scotland, and this is where he got a job as a butler. Now, he was a nice-looking man, and he had a face that he definitely would trust. He he looked clean. He, very, <laughs> he, he looked like a very clean person. Um, and he spoke well. So he was quite sort of... He had, a, he had a lot of blag about him. So he got a job for a rich widow named Peggy Hudson. Okay. And she had been married to a baronet in scotland um and she i think she just liked him i think she just thought yeah it seems all right if you're gonna have a butler who's like the face of your house like make him a cute one yeah you want a confident cute guy opening up your door yeah so he he basically took the job because he thought i'm a jewelry thief she's got a lot of jewelry easy access piece of piss um so he he worked for for her but he he was starting to steal from her a little bit as well. Mm, just taking the pearls for a polishing. Yeah. And uh, so he got his friend David Wright a job there as well. Sort of as a bit of an accomplice. How many men does she need in this household? I don't know. She's pretty rich. I don't know. Baronet's like the crappiest of the titles, aren't they? Is it? I tried to look what one was, but it was boring. So I forgot My it. My frame of reference for a baronet is in Persuasion. Jane Austen Persuasion. Yeah. Her father is a baronet and it's sort of like, so he's got grand ideas about himself, but actually not a lot of money. Yeah. So he had his friend David Wright there and David Wright um, began to steal from her as well, but they had agreed how much they would take. So it wasn't too obvious. And David Wright took more mm. and then started to piss off um, Hall. Um, so, and he also said to Hall, if you report me, then I'm going to tell her that you're a criminal. So you'll lose your job. Um, oh, shit. He's lost the upper hand. Well, Archibald. <laughs> so. I'm going to root for the underdog. Well, you might not in a minute. Oh, crap. So he was annoyed. So he got him drunk and then had sex with him. I don't, I don't it, know Was that why. necessary? No, totally necessary. And the next morning, they were all friends again. Um, and they went rabbit shooting, but um, Hall turned and shot right in the head. Oh. So he did. So he's like, if I'm going to kill him, I might as well get a shag out of it first. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um, so he buried him in the grounds of Lady Hudson's house and then quit the job. She had no idea, was really upset that he was leaving because she thought he was a great butler. Um, didn't know anything of the stealing, anything of hit the murder, but he just She must have there. had a lot like I know he says like or a rich woman would have had a lot of jewellery, but so it's jewelry that she didn't know two people were stealing from her. <laughs> yeah. No suspicions. Yeah. Well, fair enough then fucking take it. She'll give a shit. Yeah. Well, she just really believes in the borrowers. <laughs> yeah. um, so he moved back to London and he began stealing again. And he got a position in Knightsbridge as a butler. So really 
uh, rich area of London. Probably had a really good reference as well. Yeah. From here. Um, for 82-year-old Walter Scott Elliot and his 60-year-old wife, Dorothy Scott Elliot. Okay, I'm not even joking, but the baronet dad in Persuasion is called Walter Elliot. No way. But also... Coincidence. He's 82, she's 60. It's probably the actual one it's based on. Everything's Jane Austen. That's what we've learned. <laughs> so, quite a big age gap. I'm not calling her a gold digger, but... She's 22 years younger. 82 to 60, no one gives a shit about. 42 to 20, everyone's all up in arms. You should, yeah, but I don't realise that. I just think, oh, like, you're old. But then... Um, 60 is not old. It's not, because then it's like, oh, when you put lump old women together, like, oh, go be friends, go talk to her. It's like, they're old and they're totally different generations. <laughs> yeah, like, I they could be her mother. They don't have things in common. Like, they can't <laughs> all, like, we can't just talk about the Beatles forever. At some point, <laughs> there's going to be people in the old age home who are like, oh, what about Bass Hunter? Like, yeah. So, so now he had access to not only the Scott Elliot riches, but also their friends, their neighbours, because Knightsbridge, all the houses near each other, you know, he can access everything. He can do jobs for them. He also contacted... People would lend out their butlers and stuff. Like, yeah. if you're having a fancy event, you'd be like, oh, take my butler for the night. And also, this isn't that that long ago. If you think butlers were really common maybe a hundred years ago but this is this is at a time when only the really rich would have a butler yeah uh, so he contacted his ex-girlfriend called mary coggle who was a sex worker um and an old fling of his and uh asked her to find someone to help him become a master thief so he wanted an accomplice and she introduced him to michael kitto um he wasn't going to help him be a master thief because he was far less experienced as a thief than Hall and wasn't really advantageous for um, Hall at all. And I think probably Hall was a bit like, who's this dick? Um, But, and he was on the run for robbing a pub. He was very much a small-time thief. I think maybe she'd pick them because they were both gay. (laughs) When he's gay, you're gay. (laughs) you'll be fine um and they've both been married to women uh, i think they both had children actually with women but it, it was kind of like more common than that you would have a wife even though you were well you couldn't be man, openly couldn't gay be an gay man yeah and i think the wives had ended things when they realized that their husband was gay kitto had been brought up in care he was a bit of a drifter. He would travel around committing petty crimes. He was in and out of prison for that as well. And maybe Hall kind of sympathised because that's how he'd started. Um, so he maybe saw a bit of himself in Kitto. But also maybe he just wanted to be the impressive one in the partnership as well and sort of yeah. the brains and he's, you know, he'll just do what he tells him to. Um, and Kitto was really in awe of Hall. In fact, he couldn't believe his luck that he'd got in on this double act and felt like he was really um, special to, for Hall to even bother with him. Mm. So there was the dynamic within their relationship. So the pair planned that they would steal items gradually from the couple and sell them um, and make a lot of money and then probably leave. Um, but they were casing the joints. So they're looking around going, what can we steal? What should we steal when? And Lady Scott Elliot walked in on them in a part of the building that I mean there's this one guy who's with a butler she doesn't even know and it's a private part of the building that really had no business being in there they're obviously not doing anything butlery so like what are you doing in here butlering (laughs) yeah so I I mean they were faced with the idea that he was going to get fired 
um, potentially get found out for stealing. So instead of doing that, um, Hall told Kito to suffocate her. So he suffocated her to death. Yeah, he's not so so fun anymore. So now, it's different from his friend who he buried in the gardens, who was a drifter anyway. This is a London socialite who's got a husband. So they're... You know, they're in a position where they've got to act fast. They can't just be like, oh, we'll go bury her and buy some time. So um, they drugged Walter, got him in the car, and they also got Mary Coggle back in, and she dressed up in Dorothy's clothes, and she uh. went along with them. So she looked like the wife, and then they put Dorothy's body in the car as well. And they set off for Scotland. So they drove three days to the north of Scotland. With a dead body. With a dead body and a drugged old man. Like, really old. He's 82. Bloody hell. And they stayed in hotels on the way as well. So were they just hobbling him in? But she was um, going around being like, Hi, I'm Lady Scott Elliot. (laughs) Wearing these clothes, wearing the jewellery, not being quiet about it. You know, he's in the hotel, you know, restaurant. Yeah. Going on. Um... So I think they were a little bit like, can we stop now? And then when they got to Scotland, they found a moor in the middle of nowhere, which you genuinely can just find. You can really... find a lot of moors before you get to Scotland. Yeah, true. Like, what, why have you passed up Yorkshire, Lancashire? Like, <laughs> come on. You got you drove through a lot of quality moor to get there. He knows Scotland, though, doesn't he? I know all the best digging spots. <laughs> so there, they killed Sir Walter Scott Elliot. Um... So Kitto, again, was given the task, um, but he didn't do it very well because as they walked away, they could still hear him groaning. So one of them went back and finished the job. Don't know who. Dorothy was also buried on the way somewhere separate. So Mary Coggle, now that they were both dead, still went around in oh, these pretending coats. pretending to be there. Yeah, in these coats. Well, in I this suppose jewelry. it stops people think that they're missing for quite a while. Well... I think they wanted her to stop because these weren't... I mean... Although she's got the clothes on, she probably hasn't got the class, the finesse. Yeah, I think people would smell a rat. And she's using their real name. It's totally going to link them back to... Oh, yeah, someone might see that. No, Well, no, you're not. Yeah. Um, But also, it's just leaving a trail of her going around saying the name Lady Scott Elliot. It's just a stupid Mm. thing to do. So they rented a cottage in Cumbria, um, so Kitto, Hall and Mary Coggle. And Kitto and Hall became regulars at the local pub. Mary Coggle wasn't there with them. She's better than that now. Um, She's a lady these days. So, they I mean, they very much became part of the community here. They were sort of going... Because, I mean, I guess it was a time period where you go down the local pub, you just get to know people. Yeah. Um, so they would sort of... I think they babysat for a guy's kids. Like, they'd hang out with some of the locals. But, obviously, Mary Coggle was in the way and wouldn't keep her mouth shut. Um, So, I think pretty soon after arriving at the cottage, they had done away with her. So, the way they got rid of her was they beat her to death with a poker at the cottage um, and then threw her into a stream. A stream? Yeah, so they didn't even really try and hide her just literally threw her from a bridge into a stream. Um, and then they thought, oh, if she gets found, we're going to go with the story that she she threw herself off the bridge. So she was discovered there on Christmas what? Day in 1977. Festive. By a shepherd. It's like the most fucked up nativity 77, ever. did you say? 1977. 
So it's like while Shepard's found Mary Coggle's body lying in a stream. I can't believe they did it in a fucking stream. Like, how deep is a stream? Like, four inches? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think she's probably found pretty soon after they did the murder because they weren't trying very hard to hide her. So the pair weren't done, though. So they'd done a few murders now, but they had one more victim to go. Each other. <laughs> well, I think if they'd carried on... But that's on, the only way it can end. That's one way it could have ended. This next victim was basically because Hall hated him. And it was his heart. Like, now I've got a taste for murdering. I might as well get rid yeah. of a few people that I dislike. That's what... I think that's In what for a penny, in for a pound. So it was his half-brother, Donald. Oh. I mean, I don't think many people would think much of Donald... He was a convicted paedophile who'd just been released from prison. And he went to visit um, Kitto and Archibald at the cottage that they were staying at. He obviously hated him. I I think part... I I went into it a little bit. And I think part of the reason that he wanted to kill him was because he had a daughter. um, Archibald did. And um, Donald Hall was really nice to his daughter. And I think he was worried that... He'd been fiddling her. Or he would. He could or he did. Um, So he just wanted to get rid of him. Although some people think that's a bit of an excuse. He didn't really see his daughter anyway, so why would he be I'm going to say, if you care so much about your daughter, you're in a cottage in Cumbria murdering women. Yeah. Mm. Not the greatest. But, so the way that they, they killed Donald was they told him that for their next job... Go look in this stream. It's closer, closer to the stream. <laughs> they told him for their next job they had to tie someone up. They said, can we practice on you? And Donald said, okay. Um, so they did tie him up. And then they put chloroform on a rag and covered his face. And then it drowned him in the bath. However, after looking at his body... Um, it's suspected that actually the chloroform killed him and um, it was actually the first death by chloroform in British history. So I looked mm. a little bit into chloroform. It is sweet smelling. It was used as an anaesthetic for quite yeah. a long time. It was originally used in 1847 in Edinburgh and the first yep. operation was a dental procedure and it was really revolutionary because the whole procedure was done with no pain and no side effects. So chloroform was even used in um, Queen Victoria's births. Um, I mean, she had enough of them. That's probably why she kept having so many, like pain-free. So they gradually replaced it with um, ether, which was considered a bit safer than chloroform. So it was sort of phased out. But um, obviously it's sort of the quintessential bad guy, bad guy chemical. It works by impacting on the central nervous system and the liver and kidneys. So it sort of shuts down your ner- nervous system. But in high doses, it can depress the respiration system. So you're, it doesn't actually... You don't breathe anymore because your um, diaphragm, I guess, goes limp or you know, the muscles stop contracting and can cause comas and death. So unlike in the films, it does take about five minutes to get right. someone to pass out. It's not just a rag to the face and then they drop down. And also, you couldn't just have it on a rag and sort of... Like have it around you'd literally have to get it straight out of the bottle onto the rug to the face otherwise it just doesn't work anymore little known fact Um, so yeah they used chloroform and then they put Donald's body in the boot of a car and they went back up to Scotland they're just using it as like the tip of the UK (laughs) you've got something like oh we've got an old sofa take that while you go in (laughs) 
the reason that they got caught was a really stupid reason. So Hall had made Kitto replace the number plate on their car because it had three nines in it and he thought that was bad luck. So, but it meant that the number plate on the tax disc didn't match anymore. So they went to a hotel and a guy who was working there called Norman Wright saw them come in and obviously... Oh, I'm going to look at that task. <laughs> and he... Well, he saw them come in and he thought they looked a bit weird and odd. I don't know if there was a little bit of homophobia there. Yeah, just because who are these? Like two men alone. Ooh, yeah. Weird. Um, But he worried that they weren't going to pay him when they left. Were they having a relationship, do you think? Um... Don't know. Like... They I came, think we can't They came just... for the robbery and stayed for the cuddles. Possibly. I mean, it's cheaper if they share a room, isn't it? Norman was worried that they, um, they wouldn't pay their hotel bill when they left. Oh, so... Norman is a bit judgy. Yeah, a little bit judgy. Um, so he phoned the police. What? I know, They right? look a bit weird. I'm going to ring the police. Uh-huh. Basically, yeah. Norman, I mean, he was right, but... Yeah, how many... I don't want to go to Norman's hotel. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like anyone who's wearing Ugg boots police <laughs> <laughs> quite right though yeah I'm not wearing Ugg boots so. <laughs> so the police came and they saw the car so they took them in for questioning because of this tax disc and the licence plate not matching um, and they also took the car to the station and then they were interviewing both of them separately about the car I think um, and then uh, Hall asked to use the toilet he did a few times he apparently was the talker he did a lot of the talk, he had an answer for everything he was really it's those elocution lessons like, there you just, go. I've got this Moses supposes <laughs> money well spent but he, when he was in the toilet climbed out the window so they were a bit like that's weird how bad like how much trouble there must be something else going on if he's climbing out the window so then they searched the car found the body um and realized that they had lost a murderer so they closed roads in the area and told all the police look for this guy they had roadblocks in place hopefully that he couldn't get out and um they captured him at a roadblock the same day now the reason that they could tell who he was is because he had a blue top on but in his blue pocket he had a red and white hanky so white with red spots which made him quite recognizable now he was too fabulous for his own good <laughs> i did look up have you heard of this i don't i i'm hoping this isn't offensive because it is a real thing well, he's a pocket square man um yeah what what the the hanky is meant in the in the gay community have you heard about this it's sort of like a secret code yeah, I have heard that in the olden days you'd have your hankies. Yeah, so I've written down some ones. I want you to guess what they would mean. So I'll give you I'll give you the first one. Lavender, one on the left, means that they like drag queens. Lavender uh, handkerchief, one on the right, means that they are a drag queen. I mean, I think the heels and the dress probably were more obvious, but dark pink hanky on the left. I don't think I should guess. No. That one's a tit torturer. Tit torturer. I mean, I, I feel like that they have something to do with the things that they're representing. I mean, this is all just a, off a website. This could be all bullshit. But... Tit torturer. Tit torturer. I mean, there's not a... ladies have tits. 
Um, Robin's egg blue on the left means 69er. On the right means they hate 69s. Don't want to get those two muddled up. This seems like what... How would you select the information that you think is the most important to portray? Like, okay, I like 69s. I'm also a drag queen. Like, what do you go... Like, you're saying... I don't know. I just feel like it's so... This information is not necessary for walking through the town. They get more specific. Grey handkerchief on the left means owns a suit. No. These, <laughs> these aren't true, Lucy. They are These true. are all fake. Are you kidding me? Owns a suit. He's wearing a fucking suit with a pocket square. <laughs> why, why is that important? I want all the gay men to know I've got a suit. Wink. Look, it's on the internet. No! Cream on the I'm, right. I can't. Come on. I mean, sucks come out of condoms. What? Sucks come out of condoms. Oh this is not important information. If you, uh, like, if we need <laughs> secret gay codes, what do I want to know is, one, are you gay? That's the number one gay code that I need. Are you gay? That's it. That's about it, mostly. Drag queen, possibly, because you may not be into that. And then from there, it's all a conversation that you have in the bedroom, I mean, surely. I don't, I don't know if this website's taking the piss, because fur on the left apparently means bestialist. No, it's not true. That's got nothing to do with being gay if you fuck animals. Um, I'm sorry, I'm zip, done. Ziploc bag. No, the Ziploc bag, Lucy, you're joking. Stop reading these things. How's drugs? That's a joke. It's not a joke. It's a joke. Is it a joke website? Yes, a Ziploc bag is in like it's got drugs in it. Like that's such a joke. But it looked legitimate. I didn't make any of these up. Okay, so white with dots. No, you're... This is what he was wearing. According to this website. According to this, it's like, oh, I've got hemorrhoids. Stay away. Like, what? Well, it means if you wore it on the left, it means he's hosting an orgy. If you wore it on the right, it means he's looking for one. No. No. Like, no, I'm not having any of these. No? I'm not having them. Okay. Well, I'm sorry if they're all wrong. But I did know that the hankies were a thing. Um, but there was probably just about two colours. <laughs> like, Ziploc bag. Are you serious? <laughs> That's what it says. And if you wore it on the right, it means you're looking for drugs. <laughs> so. It can't be. It can't. It could be. I don't know. Bestiality. <laughs> no, bestialist. I don't know what the difference is, but... Is it, it'll still be you best, fuck animals. Bestial, yeah. You, no. Because if you do fuck animals, are you not a bit like, okay, I want to meet a guy and I want to like, like get him to like me for me and then I'm going to introduce the fact that I may have had sex with animals. Not like, hey, I fuck animals because then everyone's going to run. That's not how you find love. Maybe he's not trying to find love. But if he's trying to find someone... I think he's logicked your way out of this. Maybe he's trying to find someone who's also into bestiality. Like, you don't need to alert humans. You just, like, <laughs> like put a carrot in there. Like, <laughs> Come on, Hossie. So, a bit of dog food. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to offend anyone, and I do apologise if you feel like... So, Hall and Kiddo's car was traced to the Scott Elliott's house. Um... I mean, it wasn't there, but they had been there and they knew it. Um, and it was found that they were missing. So obviously, they sort of linked the crimes. Then Mary's body was also found. That was linked to Hall and Kitto as well. And Hall or- originally didn't speak about the murders at all. But he did try and commit suicide in custody. He failed. And then he started to open up about them. He started to tell them where the bodies were. Um, so they did manage to dig up the bodies because he did tell them. 
where they were hidden. Um, he had trials in London and in Scotland. Now, London wanted him to stay in prison for 15 years. Scotland wanted him to never be released. So different because they're like, you've let us all down. <laughs> yeah. Not only have you let us down as a Scot, but you used us. You used us very ill. <laughs> like next to Hadrian's Wall, there's just like a pile of decomposing bodies. Kitto was given life in prison, and Hall was given life, but but a different kind of life, as in he was never to be released. Just a shitty life. Yeah. Um. He did try to kill himself a number of times unsuccessfully in prison, um, but he eventually died of a stroke in 2002. And that chime signals that our time is up. Um, So thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Have a lovely Christmas if you celebrate it or happy holidays if you don't. Um, A Christmas gift to us. Give us a cheeky review. Thanks. Um, Tell us that you like us. Um, And just have a nice time. Yeah. Have a drink for us. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.